I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Last week, Facebook announced that it is rebranding its parent company to Meta to more accurately reflect where it's headed. I was invited onto the ITV News at 10 to discuss the rebrand and talked about how users have been moving away from Facebook and how its powers as an exciting and disruptive entity appear to be in the past. What I really should have said, however, is that the timing of the rebranding announcement is completely tone deaf. At a time when not only users but governments want answers to some pretty serious questions, the sheer arrogance of ignoring that and ploughing ahead with a marketing announcement is quite astounding. It belies a company that doesn't give a crap about its societal impact and really does put profit before people. Over the last few weeks, I've been following the revelations resulting from whistleblower Francis Horgan's leaked documents closely. Today, I'm going to look at the implications of those. But before we get to that, let's talk about the rebrand. The new corporate brand for the parent company is Meta, or Meta if you're American, as it sounds pretty awful with an English accent. It reflects Facebook's desire to create what it refers to as the Metaverse, which is a fully immersive digital experience that uses virtual reality technology to create the next step of the internet. Now I've got one major question about this. Aside from whether it can be done, Do users actually want it? Do we want to embrace VR headsets or glasses into our lives to the extent we spend even more time in a digital world? Virtual reality itself has some undoubted huge plus points. Applications in science and education and medical practice, and even the impact on the environment as a result of needing to travel less, should be welcomed and facilitated and progressed. But these are all professional applications. A virtual leisure world is an entirely different prospect. I'm not going to specifically go into the potential impacts on mental or physical health or connection with the real world and nature or the effects on our kids or potential abuse and cybercrime, but these are things that concern me hugely about a metaverse. And it appears I'm not alone. While researching this show, I ran a poll on Twitter and LinkedIn asking people how they felt about the concept of the metaverse. At the time of recording, it was received a total of 70 votes. Now, 71% have said they find it disturbing, and 29% said they're unsure about it. Not a single person has said they love the idea. As I said, do people actually want this virtual world? Facebook certainly thinks so, and its acquisition of VR company Oculus in 2014 for $2.3 billion is further evidence of that as if it were needed. The Meta rebrand is intended to move Facebook the company away from Facebook the app, Instagram and WhatsApp and enable it to create completely separate entities unencumbered by the controversies surrounding social media over the last few years. With younger demographics rapidly moving away from Facebook and ad revenue falling, it's a new future. But as well as the awful timing of the announcement, which I'll come to in a moment, the public relations impact was further tempered, in my view at least, by Mark Zuckerberg being front and centre. Zuckerberg is inextricably linked with all of the controversy surrounding Facebook, not least because he's had to face the US Senate and the UK government over data privacy and security issues. He's faced regular calls for regulation, and to say he's failed to convince is an understatement. 
So by fronting the launch, Zuckerberg has immediately saddled Meta with the same baggage as Facebook. His personal brand is, arguable at least, shot. So the involvement, much as it is expected, could be pretty harmful for Meta. And then we come to the timing of the announcement. The Wall Street Journal first published content from whistleblower Francis Horgan's leaked documents in early September. On the 6th of October, she appeared before the US Senate, and on the 25th of October, she spoke to the Online Safety Bill Committee in London. The meta announcement was made on Thursday the 28th of October, just three days after that London appearance. As I said before, it feels arrogant and totally out of touch with the sentiment towards Facebook in a large section of society. Mark McIntosh said to me on Twitter, at a time when it's become clear we need less Facebook, I really don't think more Facebook is the way forward. Podcast analysis has always been a major problem for marketers, with outreach efforts reliant on dubious download numbers and a lot of guesswork. Until now. Podchaser Pro is a new service that solves the problem for podcasters and marketers alike. I caught up with co-founder Cole Raven. We've built this new product around audience sizes so that as like a PR agency or a marketing agency, you can use this tool to really understand how many listeners every podcast gets. And then we provide contact information on top of that. We understand how many people are listening to a podcast, how far they get into each episode, in some cases, demographic data. You can't find that anywhere else. Check it out at podchaserpro.com forward slash digital download. Findings from the leaked documents have been published over the last few weeks on The Journal, a podcast produced by The Wall Street Journal and Gimlet Media. It's made for fascinating and at times very disturbing listening. Put it this way, I came off Facebook in early 2019, and it's made me very glad I did. The main conclusion that can be drawn from the series is that both Facebook and Instagram have facets that are harmful to both individuals and society as a whole. Now that in itself may be no surprise, as the impact on mental health of the platforms, radicalisation and things like interference with election results and democracy have been well documented. But there are two things that are damning about the evidence presented by the Wall Street Journal. Firstly, it's the extent of those impacts. And secondly, it's the fact that Facebook not only knows about them, but has, at times, done little to nothing to address them. Facebook has done its own research into the impact of the newsfeed algorithm and the effect of Instagram on teenage girls, but publicly reported different findings. It's gone through congressional hearings in the United States, countered media reports, and at times pledged to change things. But it has not done so. To my mind, it is willfully negligent. Among the key findings that the Wall Street Journal has revealed to date are three major areas of concern. First, the Facebook algorithm actively causes and promotes division and outrage. Second, This is fed by Facebook employing a whitelist of elite users who can pretty much do or say whatever they like without any form of sanction. Think Donald Trump for the entirety of his presidency. And third, Instagram can be an extremely damaging place for teenage girls and promotes body image issues. There are other things too, around Facebook ignoring the use of the platform for human trafficking and an AI system that doesn't work to moderate content. But let's take a quick look at those three core areas. In early 2018, Facebook pushed a radical update to the newsfeed algorithm live onto the network. 
It was explained as a way of bringing our focus onto the people and content we really care about, and it started to reward active people and posts and downweight passive content. Now, what that meant in practice was that people or posts that attracted a lot of comments and discussion started to do better, while content that people passively consumed or just clicked a like button on started to bomb. Now, that seems to make sense. Facebook is trying to create connections and to keep people on the site longer. Writing and responding to comments ticks both of those boxes. But Facebook pretty quickly realised that the content that got the most active engagement was divisive in nature. The algorithm rewards that divisive content by giving it more visibility. Over time, this became worse and worse, until you reach the point we're at today, where the algorithm will show you more content similar to that you've engaged with. The effect is that, if you're right-leaning politically, you'll see further and further right-wing content. If you engage with diet recipes, you'll start seeing more extreme weight loss content. It's a toxic loop that Facebook understands and has done nothing about. You may remember how the Brexit result took everyone by surprise, or how Donald Trump became president despite seemingly everyone on social media giving him no chance whatsoever. These were the very early signs of the Facebook algorithm coupled with advertising interference at work. And then you have Trump himself, given a platform to do or say whatever the hell he liked for the term of his presidency, despite regularly breaking Facebook's terms of service. He was just one of the estimated thousands or even tens of thousands of accounts on Facebook's whitelist of do not touch elite users. While the rest of us get banned for using the wrong word, Trump et al. have free reign to incite division and hatred and outrage. Again, the original intention of the whitelist made sense in terms of how elite users are moderated, but it got out of control and instead contributed to discord and societal degradation. But for some, it is Instagram's effect on teenage girls' mental health that would be most alarming. The leaked documents show that Facebook's own research says that body image issues will be made worse for one in three teenage girls who are concerned. One in three. Now that's horrifying. And yet, despite knowing this, Instagram has not clamped down on such content in any meaningful way or addressed the problem. Furthermore, and despite having an over-13 policy, it's set on attracting younger users and has seriously been considering introducing a version of the app for pre-teens. All of these findings put profit before people. Changing the algorithm will reduce engagement, meaning users will spend less time on Facebook and it can't sell so many ad spaces. Sanctioning elite users in the same way as the rest of us could result in some leaving Facebook. Fans will follow them elsewhere, meaning it can't sell ads to them. Blocking fashion or lifestyle content from teenage girls mean they could move to TikTok, for example, so Instagram's ad revenue will drop. Profit before people. Shareholders before society. If you haven't yet read the Wall Street Journal's exposés or listened to the podcast, I can't recommend highly enough that you do. Every social media user needs to be aware of what's going on as this has a direct impact on our future. The idea of a Facebook-run metaverse horrifies me, if I'm really honest, and it's apparent from my quick polls that it is deeply concerning to many others too. The thing is, why should Meta care? If you listen to this show and then go and check Facebook, what difference does your concern make? Particularly with Facebook itself in mind, the only thing that will make any difference is if you stop logging on and they can't show you ads. As a society, we have to make a stand.
Now, I don't do this on this podcast. In nearly a hundred shows, I've never asked anyone for anything. But maybe it's time to consider deleting your Facebook account? I get that's difficult to do. You've got friends and family on there and ditching Facebook is hard. But I did it nearly three years ago and genuinely, I haven't looked back. You find other ways of connecting with people. I genuinely believe that nothing will change unless users stand up one by one by one and say they've had enough by stop using the platform. I also know that this is highly unlikely and maybe even unrealistic, but there's no simple solution to this. We can stand by and let ourselves be manipulated as society further falls apart and our kids grow up with mental health issues, or we can do something. The choice is ours. If you'd like to discuss this show with me, you can find me on Twitter or LinkedIn. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.